This is the best podcast on the planet. I'm not being biased at all. Thanks for listening, supporting, sharing, and subscribing to the Mindful Farm D podcast. Subscribe today wherever you listen to stay informed. Share with a few friends. Email Dr. Matman Harrell at themindfulfarmd at gmail.com exclamation point. Connect on Instagram at themindfulfarmd. Check out drmattmanharrell.bio.link for everything about the podcast. A thousand thanks and stay mindful. All right, welcome in a thousand thanks, everybody, again, for listening to the Mindful Farm D podcast. I am the mind behind the microphone, Matt Harold, and I look forward to this uh, episode here today. Um, I know normally I say that my guest is uh, is a special guest, and I truly mean that uh, most times, all the time. But today, my guest is truly a special guest um, here and uh, be able to sit down with me and have a discussion about some stuff. And um, our focus today, if we had one, was gonna is really going to be in the vein of how creative arts, the creative arts um, and the connection between mindfulness, the connection between mental health. And my guest today, uh, in fact, we grew up together uh, and a significant portion of our lives. We we actually lived together under the same roof. And that's because my guest today is my cousin, Aaron Griffin. And he is, he's my actual cousin, not like the cousin, you know, people say they run into friends that they ain't seen in a long time. They'd be like, what's up, cuz? No, 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 no. This is my, <laughs> this is my actual cousin. Um, and, and we spent a great deal of time, uh, like I said, growing up together. Uh, we've been through some things together and we've actually discussed doing an episode uh, back in 2021 before my hiatus from recording and uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago and now just the time just seems right now to talk. And so, uh, Aaron, man, thank you. Thank you for, for, uh, being available to kind of sit down with me and talk about a couple things. Um, I hope you are doing well, sir. Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I want to say shalom to everybody. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, I, this, like you said in the intro here, um, it's important for us to understand where we at in our, our physical time, but as well as in our mentally. And uh, I'm in that mindset to where I'm able to actually give a little bit more uh, lead to the conversation, uh, more in-depth, you know, psychological uh, perspective of what we were discussing back in 2021. And I had some time to think about a lot of it, but I'll, um, in this case here, I'll try to going uh follow your lead space here you know for sure in their podcast <laughs> yeah man <laughs> no we we go we go we go uh we, i think we're gonna have a good discussion today and you know we we you've alluded to this we've had some very in-depth conversations you know talking about all sorts of things and um so this episode uh you know my my hope is that for myself is to sort of take the reins take take my hands off the reins and just kind of let the conversation go where it goes and you know that that in itself is a uh, form of mindfulness this intentional ability or this intentional willingness to allow your mind to 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 uh to wander if i could say it that way sometimes uh, 
people mistake mindfulness for being this practice where you clear your mind, but it's actually not it. Um, it's more of a practice of being aware of the thoughts that are that are coming through your mind or the thoughts that you're thinking about um, and being able to then recenter yourself and refocus yourself. But it's not really a, a clearing of the mind as more more so as it is allowing the mind to sort of, um, if I could use the term to roam. And so but we'll get it. We'll get into all that as we dive in. Um, but I kind of want to start at at the beginning, you know, uh, and and maybe a good way to to get there would be to. Um, well, I, I want to start. I want to see where you are now, what you're up to nowadays. We're going to talk about some time you spent at Norland Middle School um, uh, magnet program down in Miami, as well as the uh, design and architecture senior high school now known as Dash. Uh, down in Miami. We'll get there, but you know, I want to start somewhere at the beginning and then end up there. So let's start with some of the, you know, maybe some of the work you've done um, leading up to this moment. I know you've had, uh, you've had various jobs here and there and learned a little bit of something along the way as we should. And so let's start, let's kind of start at what you might term the beginning, your beginning. Where does your story begin? Now, from the beginning, like I told you the beginning, there's a perspective here. Um, I had, I would like to say two beginnings. Uh, those two beginnings, you have the one that is a perspective from um, being a child, um, possibly even being a young man to now being, you know, married with, you know, two children and things like that. But these people like to say there's a midlife crisis in this case here. So that's why I said the two beginnings. Um, so uh, for the beginning with me, uh, incurring now, um, a lot of this is, I think this has been something that's been come, uh, that's been a uh, long time coming. It should have happened a while ago, but through my immaturity of being able to view life and to accept certain things the way they were, uh, limit, you know, so it, I, I created my own prison mentally, uh, through emotions and things like that. And, and just things that I remembered that draw a lot of negative, um, vibrations to me to where it keep me bound in chains that I, I technically created for myself and not something that someone did to me, uh, per se, or things I should have just let go. Um, but I didn't let those things go. I'm, I'm very hyper, uh, hypersensitive to any emotions. Um, I'm very in tune to people's uh, energy waves. I've always been that way since I was a child. I can tell you if a person's a good person or a bad person based off of that just first interaction and they don't even necessarily have the same thing to me. Uh, but I've always been that way uh, when I was a little child. I can always tell somebody who was a good person and a bad person just by their interaction. Um, being hypersensitive to that type of but not being trained in the sense of knowing how to control those things, um, I think was what led me down the road here. Um, and so, what what road are you referring to? So, your your second beginning, your your how did you how would you describe that beginning? What is it What does it look like? Take us take us there. So, the second beginning for me, um, although like I was saying, it's sure it's a long time coming. It should have happened before. I think I would I think I would have got a lot more out of the situation. And would have been able to do a lot more uh, in the sense of with the people that um, I'm involved with, like my family, uh, uh, my distance of uh, my dad, 
uh, the, the distance within my other siblings and things like that, I think it would have brought us a lot closer, not necessarily letting me have control over the situation because I have no control over any one person, but it would have brought me closure a lot sooner, allowing me to project myself further into my future and then, you know, be able to, you know, uh, put together and a total amount of goals or things that I want to achieve and allow me to actually achieve them without me being held back with the chains I had, you know, created for myself. So the the issue, the, the thing that my second beginning has started for me, although, you know, many times that it's in, in, we look into the comic books, we look into a lot of the superheroes, they had a traumatic start to their beginning. Although, you know, they're now, well, we are told that they, we, we hop somewhere in the middle of their, their uh their growth uh i give you a good one um i know yours is superman uh my superhero would be the incredible hulk if you look at the past of the incredible hulk and the things that he's gone through and i listed down literally i thought about it after a while so i listed down exactly pinpointing um my dad being a um a very uh very man a man that's concerned with his, his physique as well as he was um, concerned with his mind uh, I liken myself to the Hulk because in a sense here, uh, if you look back into Bruce's father, he was a very um, educated man, but he didn't necessarily know how as far as the physique part goes. But then at the same time, the Hulk himself, my father, portrayed that to me as a, as a child. So he was always my superhero. Um, so of his passing is what started all of this. Uh, I had no choice but to... Uh, to realize that things that I was going to be able to try to mend or that I have put off mending, I was never going to be able to do that anymore. Not with that individual in ways, not in the sense of where I wanted to be in the physical and reality of things. I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. Uh, so well, let, let's, let's put a time frame to it. So your, your father passed away in, in uh, what year? It's been a year now. So I would say it was in on the end of 2021. Okay. So, so almost almost a year and a half. Yeah, almost a year and a half. Yeah, because I think he, yeah, he's been dying for one birthday already for him. So yeah, almost a year and a half. Yeah, the birthday about to come up I gotcha. And you're saying in that time leading up to his passing, there were some things that were really left unresolved in in y'all's in y'all's relationship i'm gonna be honest with you there's a lot of things unresolved mm -hmm. a lot of things unresolved and i think it from what i've come to now it was a lot of a you know just 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 i think it's just a child being and yeah you, you say well dude you're like 38 and you're still a child in, in the emotional aspect yes because you know we we look into these figures that we want to be like and just anything that may stunt that growth, if it happens, it's going to happen. Um, and I say that in the sense of I'm a big agriculture now, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, I've had into the house and things like that to pick their own stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to copy you now, trying to get my garden going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it's a journey. <laughs> But you know what I learned from that though? Um, I learned it's the same concept. You put a lot of a lot of nutrients in, 
into the ground in the same way that you would put a lot of knowledge into the child. And to be misled of, or allow ourselves to be misled by systems that are forced upon us. And I mean by the, what I mean by that, and to be more specific, is I'm talking about like, uh, in this case here, education, schools. Um, their systems, their systems are there to, to put us into a box, not necessarily reveal who we are as individuals. And, you know, we rise to certain occasions depending on what they're requesting of us. Um, and I say that because we, we, we get tested, we got tested all the time. Um, we were actually the guinea pigs for the FCAT, uh, back when we were younger. Uh, we just didn't know it at the time. Um, it became the standard that we were, um, that we had to pass these things. And then you got into college or high, I mean, I'm not college, I mean, high school, jumping ahead of myself. Uh, when we got in high school, we, we still had to take the same, we had to take the same, same test. Mm-hmm. And then, um, based off of something that we did previously and then other kids had to pass, you know, it just, it becomes that we, we are being oriented to something else that someone else wants us to be. But it's just, well, I didn't even write it to the surface. Yes. And what you're saying is no trivial matter either, because. So you mentioned, you, you mentioned the incredible hope. You mentioned a couple of characteristics that your father possessed, um, and, uh, that he, that he owned as, as his own person, as his own individual. And one of those things was the physical strength. He paid attention. I, I, I remember you know, hearing about how strong your father was physically and, and, you know, uh, just a, a beast when it came to strength. Right. I remember that, that physical strength and hearing those stories about, about him. And, but the, the, maybe perhaps the component that was underdeveloped was the emotional component to be able to show, to be able to show a child, um, how to properly say control or to how to properly be in control of, 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 uh, one's emotions, or if one is an empath, which is a little bit of what you were describing earlier, being able to feel the feelings of others. If you have this ability, this discernment to receive those feelings, how to be able to separate them from your own feelings. And that's a very important piece of being an adult is, is, is having the ability to differentiate where you end and where the next person begins. And where I'm going with all that is, is, uh, and you kind of mentioned this about models, right? We, we, when we look to our parents, when we look to those, those school systems, when we look to society, what we're looking for as fledgling youth is models. And it's, it's really, if we really want to be honest with ourselves and if we are honest with ourselves, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? There's sort of this, this copy and paste aspect to our lives, right? And agriculture is a little bit of that as well. I mean, th- there's only so many different ways you can grow, say, an apple tree. Um, an apple tree is only going to grow in so many climates, right? And so you take that 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 DNA, that um, that material, this this seedling of an apple tree, and you plant it in the right uh, copy, if you will, copy and paste it in the right environment, then you should get an apple tree. And I think the same can be said about us as as humans. If we don't have adequate models and this this goes for all of us, this goes for 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 everybody, because nobody's nobody's family is perfect. You know, as they say, nobody's family is perfect. And so each of us, though, we're all dealing with models and we all take 
take and copy and paste different aspects of those models onto ourselves. And when I think about the way you were growing up, I remember this. Um, I, I, I feel I like to feel like I understood you, even though I couldn't really help you. I understood you. And what what I what I understood then um, in my own way was that Aaron Aaron was angry a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I remember something that that um, hmm, uh, the Incredible Hulk said in one of the Avengers movies, actually, the first Avengers movies movie, he said, uh, you know, you want to know my secret? He goes, uh, I'm always angry. That's how I'm able to control myself. That's how I'm able to, that's, that's, that's what I've had to come to because up to that point, you know, the incredible Hulk had no control. And he, I mean, a beast stung him. He turned into the incredible Hulk, right? You know, the minute yeah. the whole character, but at that point <laughs> in the movie, he goes, this is my secret. This is what I've had to wrestle with. This is what I've had to deal with. This is what I've had to settle on is the, and, and not settling in the sense of an, of a, of a negative connotation, but accepting the fact that, yeah, I'm always angry. And now that I know that, I can control my feelings a little better. Go there. Correct. So, so what, what do you, what, how do you, what do you, you know, think about this concept, this idea of, you know, our, the models and our copying and our pasting? I mean, it, it's, it's spot on, honestly. Uh, but also, I'll take it one further for you. I told you I'm going to deep in depth, because uh, I've been doing a lot of shadow work. Uh, that part of me being always upset, having my guard up, was my armor. It was what protected Aaron from getting hurt by anybody else. Think about it. You have your role model hurt your feelings. And that role model is like the saying it's apparent. Once, once the role model, the person that is at the pinnacle, the person that, that you put up on this pedestal, at, oh my, it's not, it's almost close to, I don't, I would liken to it to, to the point where in the human vernacular that you, that you have it to where it's almost close to God type deal. Like you, like that person can never get, you know, old. That person can never uh, die type deal. You know, that, that, that type of role model. Like, you know, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to I, I idol to something hurry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's what my father was in. And, it, and a lot of it, 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 I knew it already. I knew that was a lot of reason why I did some of the things like when I was younger. But at the same time, it was like, you know what? I'm never going to let nobody do this to me again. I'm never going to let somebody tell me that this, that, and the third. I'm never going to let somebody control, you know, my feelings. So I control my feelings myself. So a lot of it is just pushing people away because at the end of the day, if you can't get close to me, you can't touch me, you know what I'm saying? You can't hurt me. So, you know, keeping that mindset for a long, long time becomes, like I said, becomes your, your armor. Uh, it, it allowed me to get through a lot of things in life. Um, practically everything, man. Like, I don't know why I would have ventured into the art world because a lot of it is, it's just critiquing. You have a bunch of strangers. You putting out your your feelings on paper, or you putting it together, or you creating this sculpture. You think it's the you think it's the greatest thing, you know. You think it's the next Pop Picasso or something on the lines of, or even um, uh, my my favorite artist, believe it or not, was Keith Haring. 
Um, we look into his background. He was a homosexual, um, but the way he attacked art and the way he looked at certain things, it, it the colors and things like that, it drew me to him because of how he expressed himself. A lot of his work isn't detailed. It's very, um, I would say, left to to wonder, but it's expressive through the lines and the depths, uh, how the thickness, and then you understand the underlying, um, the underlying, under, if you understand the underlying of what art is, it's, it's supposed to be expressive. So it's not just one aspect of whether, or whether it's a brushstroke or whether it's this or that, but he was during the pop age to where you got like the cola and the popping colors and the, the little dots on the comic book pages. That's what he was during that time there. So if you look at those things, you saw those things go in and out, in and out. It draws you into the image and then it pushes you out depending on um, how uh, fine the line is or how bold it is. Mm. So things like that made you realize certain things. Yeah, that and that was actually going to be one of my questions to you is when when did you become first interested in in art? I know you, like I said, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier or alluded to it uh, earlier that you spent middle school at Norland Middle School uh, in their magnet mm -hmm. program specifically, uh, which was art focused, correct? Yeah, art focused. Uh, and then the and then straight into high school, the dash uh, the design and architecture in your high school. Yeah, all art is all Northern art, right? And so, but yeah. where where was that moment? And then kudos as well to to, to my uh, my auntie, your mom, um, for for recognizing that interest and then fostering it. So so let, let, where did you what, do you remember that first moment when you were like, um, <laughs> I'm pausing because I'm thinking about uh, something that Nicholas Nicholas Cage said recently in the news about remembering seeing faces in his mother's womb, and of course you know as outlandish as that claim sounds, because I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't even remember back to when I was, I can barely remember last week, <laughs> you know, let alone certain aspects of last week, but you know, let alone back to my mother's womb. So anyway, I just thought that that was funny that he, he's uh, making the claim that he can remember faces in his mother's womb. But, um, so where, where were you or either mentally in the physical sense, do you remember that moment where, where you were like, man, art is my jam. I want to, I want to pursue this. If I told you, no, I'll be lying. So to, to not be, it, I wouldn't say that it's outlandish from what you stated. Uh, we all are different beings. Um, the, the, the synapses that we have and how it's being preserved is based off of our environment, chemicals, we're talking about the plants. Uh, to answer that question, I would say back when elementary school, man, like, I would say even before elementary school, honestly, I was, I was doing things. I was always found the fascination of colors, being able to create stuff. Um, I always identified with that. But again, that goes back to my father too. I can't leave him out. And then even and even further than my father, he got that from my grandfather. My grandfather was a brick mason. Uh, he was always creating things um, from what my understanding is. But he also had the same um, attitude that, that I had as well as my father had 
My father always knew how to um, draw. I actually was several members within our family that are very talented, uh, unnoted artists. Let me put it that way. I'll, I myself going through the art program would have given them the title artist. Um, my, uh, what, uh, my brother Daniel is one of them. Um, I know a couple of my brothers on my dad that actually grew up with my father. They are uh, very reserved to themselves. But very expressive um and then um my sister that i grew up with both of them actually um i would say egla is right behind me 100 percent uh she uh she pursued art but then i guess that really wasn't her bug so she knocked at basketball and even in basketball is an art form as well it's almost yes. a sound of dance yes so when you think of the arts you're thinking of rhythm you're thinking of uh the, the passion that people have and art boils down to, can you express yourself without speaking? Mm. And most people think, oh, yeah, that's easy. That's easy. No, I need you to be able to express yourself and tell me you're you without telling me you're him. Mm. And that's how detailed the art form was for me and restructuring and getting that basics of understanding the line depth and things like that. And that's why I say, like, it's so many lines draw back to my father. So many lines is huge. Everything so did, draws did back you to see him. him. Did you see him painting or 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 creating? I, because yeah. I just I just find it super interesting that you know from both from yeah from your from your <laughs> father's side and even I mean even Rodney I know you guys have different dads yeah um, same mom different dads but. Even Rodney has a sort of a uh, creative uh, bug or creative nature or a creative mm. uh, aspect of his personality. And so where I'm going is it's how much of what you became in terms of a creator, in terms of an artist, how much of what you became was nurture and how much of it was nature. You know, that old argument, is it nature versus nurture? I'm sure I said that it's a, that in most aspects or most things, maybe eight times out of 10, nine times out of 10, it's a little bit of both, right? Yeah. Because gotcha. there are some families that, um, you know, maybe great grandfather, say what we're talking about cre uh, creating art, maybe great grandfather was an artist, but then, mm -hmm. uh, or uh, let's make it a little bit closer. Maybe grandfather was an artist, but then dad mm -hmm. doesn't draw at all. But then his son grows up and develops this this uh, this love for art and, and this ability, not just a love for it, but this ability to create by way of artistic expression. And so in that situation, it would probably be more of a nature thing. Um, but but for you. So for you, where do you think your experience falls on that? You know, on that spectrum, was it nature? Is it nurture? Is it a little bit of both? I know what. I'm gonna have to agree with you. It's fifty fifty. Okay. Um, I would even put God in there, because mm. uh, we all are called or we all are gifted at birth, whether we want to realize what it is or not. We allow again it goes back to those those structures that I was talking about earlier. We allow society to put us into certain things and tell us what our gifts and talents are, but that's the problem. Realizing that you can be an auditory. Or you can be that person that can sing or be that person that can paint, uh, be that person that can dance and hold a, a, a rhythm where you find a beat in anything. You could actually 
creator. So you are a creator um, even when you're not trying to be. And a lot of times we equate that to what we see around us. So like you said about the copycat thing, I 100% agree with that. Society is putting out, printing out people left and right. And it, I mean, and it's not even originals. It's just black and white copy. I think, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I think even today it's getting even, I hate to say this word worse, it, but yeah, but we can't, I don't think that we can really get away from the copy and paste aspect of our existence. I mean, that's how we learn and psychologists will tell you this. We learn by modeling. My fear mm -hmm. is what we're modeling, you know, how we sort of gotten away from this, uh, morality or this, we've, we've, we've sort of gotten away from a, a, uh, a center morality. Now it's like everybody do what everybody feels is right. And I think that's a dangerous place to be in because if I feel, and, and I'm going to take this real, you know, left field, but if I feel like going out and, you know, murdering five people, then that's what I'm going to do because it's the way I feel. Right. And, and, and then you have those, I mean, just this week, just today, I think that eight souls, eight people were killed in an outlet mall in, uh, in Texas. And, you know, because somebody decided to walk in there and, and, and shoot up the place. And you better believe that it's probably going to happen again in the future. Why? Because people see that model. They see that as something unfortunate to copy and they copy it and then paste it onto their lives. And then they go out and do the, and do the same thing. And so I don't think, and that's in the negative sense. And I know, it, I, I know there are some, some positive stories out there as well. But my point in what I'm trying to make is that I don't think I don't think we can get away from the copy and paste aspect. I think that's one of the things we have to accept as part of our existence. But my I think the question for us is what exactly are we modeling? What exactly are we copying and pasting? Wow. Man, I'll be honest with you. It's 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 sad, but We've been brainwashed. Society's been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed into accepting ne nothing but negativity. Look at the news. Uh, that's why I don't watch the news anymore uh, because that's all they do is the ratings go up when there's negativity, but the ratings go down when it's good. But morality is down because mankind, there's not enough people pushing good morals. So when you, when you push good morale, there's, there's not a dollar sign behind it. You know what I'm saying? So you can see where you have certain people say, well, you know, if someone's around, then I'll do good. But when someone's not around, then, you know, I will probably choose to do bad. Uh, as most people know nowadays, you live in a deaf society. Uh, when I say in my death, I mean, like, everyone's cheaply that, that, that death concept because we, as human beings, we don't necessarily know what lies beyond what this is here, this existence. And uh, as some things that kind of like you and I have discussed in the past, um, the understanding of what soul is, uh, what your purpose is, all these different things. And that's why, you know, I put on here is uh, Eric's perspective. It's a perspective. It's a window into someone's life 
and they're explaining how they felt and how they saw life. Uh, but it goes back into my theory of, um, is all, all that we tell is true? And I would say, no, I would say, well, we are somewhat liars and we are somewhat truth tellers because at the end of the day, we're only telling a part of the story, but we know the truth or the definition of truth is to be, we're giving all the facts. But can you 100% as a human being looking at a story from, or, or a, a picture from one aspect of it, tell the whole truth? And the answer is no. Yeah. No, you can't. Right. Right. You know, you, and you, you've mentioned this a couple times and this, this was a thought I had about how, um, when we're creating things, you know, I, I, for one, I, I've always appreciated you. And in fact, I've, um, I, uh, maybe I'll put this on my Instagram, but I don't know if you remember a couple years ago when we were, we, we were in uh, college and we were rooming together at uh Florida A&M university. And, um, you drew a picture of me as Superman because I asked you to right? that mm -hmm. poster. Do you remember that poster you created? You don't remember that painting? I, I'm going to be, I would be out of you. And then days there, I was doing a lot of stuff and I was yeah. giving away a lot of things. Yeah. Um, as far as art creators, because I was really into my art thing, uh, but I loved art because of what it was. Um, then, you know, again, I was, again, I gotta tell you, I was big, I was naive by a lot of things. Um, so to understand certain concepts and then reality hits to where you can't live without having a job. You can't just go out here and create whatever you want here. So those things are what changed. And that's where, um, when you say, right, well, where did you start? I started, um, the, the fondest thing I remember is I was everybody's friend in elementary school, as long as I was drawing the hydraulic cars. I remember this, this is in second grade. I can't remember the teacher's name 100%, but I always went back to drawing. And a lot of it boiled down to me wanting to be an animator, to be honest with you. Uh, most people didn't know that about me, but I wanted to be an animator. I didn't want anything to do with fine arts. Hmm. But, um, well, uh, what's, what introduced the, what's the difference there in terms of the being an animator versus say, you know, the being a part of the fine arts. For me, it was the fantasy part of it. getting away from reality. What we see today, what, what everybody's doing today. Everybody go, you know, they go online, they play video games, they get away from this reality that we got to be in this box all the time. And, and that's the problem is that society, like you were talking about morality, everybody's put every person into a box. You're a man, you got to fit in this box. You're a woman, you got to fit in this box. You're a little girl, you got to fit in this box. You know what I'm saying? And it just, it, it just, these are the things that you need to do. And if you go outside this box, you're a rebel. You're going against the grain. Or you're weird. Or then nowadays they, they, they say, oh, you're canceled. Or they're now they're using this term that's supposed to be enduring, is supposed to be inspiring. The woke concept, they shouldn't have, that's now negative. So they done took the positive or positive connotation and turned it to a negative connotation. So it's just like, dude, you guys need to, we need to unplug. This is something I was telling you the other day. And, you know, I'm in the process of finishing up um, my uh, software engineering degree in this case here. But I already know what I want to do for my doctorate thesis. And I'm, I'm going for it, man. 
I really think the world needs to really dive into the aspect of what technology is doing to the human brain. It is really setting us back. We think that we're into this future stuff, but we, we are. If you look back in the past and see how much technological advances they've made, and what I mean by that, I'm talking about the individuals and you having geniuses like Albert Einstein. You having uh, you got uh, the creators doing this during the slave trade. And I'll, I put quotes on that because there's a lot of information not being passed along on purpose. So everybody thinks that uh, just one this particular culture is being held down by another culture. Not saying that it's not true. Not saying that it wasn't true. But these that hardship, when you look at it from a different perspective, it literally, once they were released to be free to film and create for themselves, it blew up. It, it mass produced so many inventors. It was crazy. It was crazy. And now if you look at the number of inventors today, we don't have any adventures. It's just everybody taking what they see, revamping it, and then yeah. selling it again. Right to the copy and paste concept. There is no genuality to what we're doing nowadays. And that's the problem. Me, myself, I like I would like to say, um, I, I know I spent most of my high school years looking for my original brushstroke. I don't know if people understand what that means. Yeah, and talk about it. Talk, talk, yeah, talk about it. Explain that. For, for me, it's kind of like when someone looks at, they can identify what a Van Gogh is. They can identify what Michelangelo painted. Things like that. When you look at that work and you look at the strokes of that brush, you know that person is the person who created that. Go back to what I said earlier about tell me who you are without telling me who you are. Mm. So I was looking for my original brushstroke and I found my original brushstroke. What does the brushstroke so, say about the artist? Oh man, that brushstroke tells you everything about that artist. How much they enjoyed that piece. You can ignore the colors all day long. Color theory is there, but that color theory is only put there and um, the artists use that color theory to get you to feel uh, what they want you to feel. So they are in control. They're driving your emotions at that time when they, when they put that piece together. But the brushstrokes itself is always the signature without the artist having to sign it. Uh, the thickness, uh, how much they take on to that paint, or how much paint they put on the canvas, all of that matters. But people don't take that into mindset when they when they look at an artwork and say, well, this is beautiful, you know, this and the third. Um, I used to call myself a realist all the time. I'm a realist. I like to, I want to capture something that is real. I don't want to repeat what I saw over here. And then my teacher used to get so upset with me. Well, well, Erin, you're always just doing a bunch of portraits. He's just doing portraits. I said, because that's reality. Could, that, we could, that, around, be, could that be, I'm going to put a little selfish plug in here. Could that be the reason why you don't recall the painting you did of me? Because that was not reality. I am not, <laughs> I am not this, this <laughs> alien from Krypton, right? It's like I said, it'll make sense if I, if I actually had the, the, the painting to show. But it was me. You yeah. painted me. You painted my face, my light, mm. and you put yeah. the Superman. Uh, it was just like the top quarter of my torso. But you put me mm. in the Superman uh, uh, outfit, uniform. Put me in the Superman uniform. But I'm, what I'm hearing what is, it? huh? No, 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 I'm listening. I was just saying what what I'm hearing is you more so like to paint reality. 
rather than <laughs> rather than somebody else's fantasy. And so it was probably it was probably a um a uh, a labor of love, right? Because we family soon like let me just paint this for my cousin, but let me just move on from there. <laughs> Hold on, let me was it, is it a caricature? No, it was it was it was a portrait. I, I really wish I had it. I, I, after after oh, we record, I'll just have a picture of it and send it to you. But it that is even in itself, Aaron, just fascinating to me that you don't remember painting this. You because you spent you spent a great I mean you spent weeks on I know we were you were going to school and stuff like that too, but uh in, in the in the middle of creating this this piece, but yeah, you spent weeks on it. Um and I remember afterwards we made a joke about it because you know, I have a, a rather large nose and uh yeah. <laughs> don't laugh, don't laugh, it ain't funny. But you um you even captured that. Like you even captured the nose, you know? And so it was uh yeah, and so it's just again just fascinating to me. Now I will say, and maybe maybe this has something to do with it as well, that was also a moment in your life, a point in time in your life that I know you've tried to work to not necessarily forget, but to move past because of one person that you were involved with at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, for that, that's why I actually, that's why I was asking you the other caricature. Mm -mm. Uh, if I was, if it was a caricature, it may have been relating. I may still had the dream that I was going to be able to go into the animation part of it because I actually had gotten into um, all the art colleges I wanted to get into, including Jocelyn Wells, um, which is a culinary school that I got into as well. So I, I got scholarships. It's just the pricing of things just was, my mom couldn't afford that stuff. And um, at the time, it was a disheartening because I, you know, you feel like you put in like eight years of, you know, work or you create, you, you know, every year you're creating these portfolios. And you're working towards these things. And I still have a lot of my work, uh, slide form, not the physical stuff, uh, because a lot of it, um, I, like I said, I, I gave away a lot of things, um, prematurely, not really thinking necessarily what the, the value of it would be for, uh, but I let it go because it was tied to uh, a particular person and that love for art. I tied that to an individual too. And like I said before, I, I I had it to where I wasn't gonna get hurt again. And I let a person in and they did exactly what I thought they were gonna do. And it's like, okay, um a lot of it too boils down to well, what that person did, this, that, and the third, but in recent uh, um review for myself, I did a lot of damage, man. I went through I, I went through it. I, I I hurt some people, man. I I, I literally like I tell my uh, my stepdaughter, you burn a bridge, that bridge is burnt type deal. Uh, it's hard to rebuild a lot of stuff. So even with that individual, now me being where I'm at, mentally looking at certain things, I, it's not all their fault. Some of it is our fault. I mean, my fault. Um, and then some of it was just time too. You know, um, what we real what I realized too as well is that. Uh, people are like seasons, so the Bible is correct. I mean, it's it's so spot on and scary at times when you think about some of the, the scriptures that have been written way before we even was thought about being existent. You know, or being brought into existence. For these cases, 
it, it, it's so spot on with people are like seasons, man. Yeah. Um, to everything, you know, there is a season. Yeah, everything, man. And even down to the, that, um, the story about the seeds, um, being dropped on, uh, different forms of uh, ground, you know, yeah. even to the point of being dropped on sediment and where the seed sprouts at, um, you realize that you may drop seeds along the way, but not every seed's gonna gonna you know produce fruit, right? And and that's what even you know, even, even though the seed never changes, yeah, the seed never changes, right? The seed never changes. It, the, the type of seed was the 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 potential the seed had. Everything never changed about the seed. It's just like you said, the environment that it's being dropped into. How does it grow? And we know those can be put on fertile ground that can grow up and then produce nothing. So that's even scary when you think about it like that. So it's like, okay, I have so how much control do I really have? That's why I said I equate a lot of it to offset 50-50 with the art stuff. And then I say God, because without God, a lot of stuff, you know, wouldn't exist. But then if you go back into the different forms in the books and, and I tile this together because this is a lot of stuff I've been doing on my own personal study of the Bible, breaking down the Bible and certain things. Um, even looking for missing books they removed from the current Bible that everybody's reading. Um, those books there, uh, one of the books potentially that stand out to me a lot is currently right now that I'm reading through is the book of Enoch. You know, in that book, it tells you in Genesis that Enoch was taken. You know, it doesn't tell you all the things that had happened to Enoch and why he was taken. So it, it, it a lot of times when we read the Bible, we take the Bible for what it is and say, oh, we have this mystical book. But then if you go a little bit deeper and just ask yourself, well, what happened? And that's what I, that's what I did. So now they have the book and you knock out. Then when you go into that book, you start seeing certain things. You're like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. This, this cannot be the divine, you know? But it's like, you got to accept, you can't accept the Bible for what it is when it's been edited when you don't accept all the other books. So it's just like, okay, how do I now put this in perspective? And that's why I was saying about perspective. Understand that these views can be changed at any time, depending on when you're reading. And this is based off of yourself, your personal self, when you're reading certain things. What if I'm going through a, a downtrodden time to where it's just everything's like it's not working out for me? What do I tell you? Friends and family are, you know, they're doing their own thing. And this kind of goes into uh, the depression part of it. What do I turn in this case here? I feel alone. I, I don't know who to talk to. Uh, he said, well, most people say, well, no, talk, talk to God. You know, he's always listening. But we know that to be the dominant president of that, of that universal being, he's not going to come and talk to you in your ear directly and say, hey, look, I'm God. That's, that's just ask. Doesn't make sense for you to think that way. And if you did think that way, you're thinking pretty too high of yourself. And the reason why I say that is because if you think of, when you look into the book of Job and all the things that happened to Job, Job's story is just, just, it's a pinnacle for every human being. We all are going through this thing that we call life. And there's ups and downs, things we lose people, we gain people, God bless us. He, he, uh, and some people just say, some people say he curses us. And, uh, you know, I don't know how far that would go in this case here because I would say that he is loving, but he is. Uh, 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 he's a loving father. He's a, he's a just. He's also, uh, yeah. He's a just. You know. So at the end of the day, when you 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 gonna get you gonna get spanking, <laughs> you know, you gonna get a spanking either way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My, and, and we, we, how many? We had to deal with that. We had to deal with that uh, actually this week, and 
my um of course my wife and I we don't use profanity but uh Levi again we're talking about you know we've been talking some time here in this episode about models and my youngest mm -hmm. Levi um right now what's happening I'll come back to that I'll get back to what I was going to say about Levi but right now what's happening at his school is there's a lot of these kids going around saying these profane words that we don't utter in our house. We don't, we don't curse. We don't, we don't, we don't use profanity. Uh, and so if he's saying the words, it's because he's hearing it from somebody else. He's modeling somebody else. And, and, and just mm -hmm. this past week he came home because some of the other kids, uh, uh my wife right now works, uh, you know, just kind of part-time, um, at the school where they attend in, in the after school program, she helps them out there. Um, and some of the kids ran up to her and said, you know, Levi said this word, Levi said the F word, he said that word and that kind of stuff. And so he gets in the car and I look at him and they, they know not to lie to me. Right. Because they can't, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, look at I think that's just the father. That's just how we all hit that. Cause mine don't be, I do the same thing. It just looks like, all right, and I know. Oh wait, I'm just gonna spill the big. That's right. <laughs> you know, they, they, they're just like a a a, a, a open vassal. They just everything just comes out. <laughs> you know, everything comes out. And so I looked at him, gave him that look, you know, and I said, "Uh, did you did you say bad words? Did you say curse words?" Yes. And then he, then the next, the very next thing out of his mouth was, "But it wasn't my fault," you know. And so I had to have a yeah. conversation with him about how, you know. Yeah, others might be doing stuff to you. They might be, um, maybe they're maybe they're getting on your nerves, or maybe they're making you frustrated. But what comes out of your mouth, what you create, is you. Everything that you know, whatever you say, whatever you allow to utter, you chose to utter. You know, in that moment, we're talking just talking about profane words. You chose to yeah. utter in that moment, and so the discipline was he had to write and still has to write sentences. That's you know where he just says, hey. I will not say bad word and I'm around during this discipline. And every now and then I'll ask him, what are you writing? So that not only is it something that is written, but then he has mm -hmm. to tell me what he's writing. And so he'll say, I will not say bad words. And what, what I'm hoping to do is create a narrative in his mind that this is not right for, for, for our family. This is what we value. This part is not right. And so we were, and where I came off with of all of that was talk, you know, with, with with God being a just God, a lot of people struggle with the justice, if you will, that God doles out. A lot of people yep. struggle with the way He deals with, you know, thing disobedience, right? The way He deals with those yeah. things, and yeah. you know, if if just like I expect my son, and this can be abused. I recognize that. I recognize that their appearance. And, and, and children, for that matter, are people who have grown up in abusive households where parents mm -hmm. have abused the authority given to them to be just, right, and to be fair, to be equitable. Um, yep. So I, I don't want to trivialize that person's, that individual's perspective. But just like we would expect, I expect my boys, my sons, to trust me that that I'm being just, that I'm being fair, that I'm being equitable. I think God asks the same of us. Hey, yeah. you know, trust me, you may not exactly understand what it is that I'm doing. I know that some parents will look at me and go, you had him write sentences, blah, 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 you know, and they will give me grief for that. Um, it's, you know, might be somebody listening, 
may listen to this podcast that may give give me grief for that but we trust god asks and requires of us to trust that his justice his judgment his opinion on the matter uh <laughs> you know should supersede should supersede ours and so he is he is our model he is or should be the model by which we aim to model we talk about the power of creation and and that's what art is it's that power to create and mm -hmm. you know if i could frame art it's this it's this moment in time or moments in time where we get an invitation into the mind of the creator into the mind of the person doing the creating and so i i wonder for you if you could do you have a way of verbalizing what it's like to be in that moment from a, from an artistic, you know, drawing artistic expect, uh, perspective. Oh um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's interesting. You, you asked that question. Yes. I'll be honest with you. It goes back to scripture for me as well. Um, when, or Yahshua or Jesus or, you know, whatever people call him. So, you know, he asked the question to the Pharisees, aren't you God? So it is a thing. You look up the, the, the understanding of where God comes from, the definition, that Greek terminology and stuff like that, uh, Greco and the Roman ideology of what gods are. Just understand that he's a creator. He put, if you go back to Genesis and you understand that he breathed the life into Adam, that's to be the case. And art isn't Adam, God's son. So art isn't Adam a God as well? What is giving him that title of God? Is it that he's the... Now, now that's the difference. A God versus the God. See, you need to understand that, yeah, that the, you know, the not at the top. There is no one above that one. That's why we say Alpha, Omega, begin them out, titles like that. The Father of Time, uh, the, the Father of Eternity, things like that. We know that we're not that, but we are that because of the material that he made up. And then the energy and the spirit that flows through our bodies and our veins, through our minds, that it all goes back to that collective conscience. And he is that collective conscience. So from that perspective, of me being able to create, I feel like I'm God. I can create my own world. I can create my own vision of something. I can, again, like I told you in the beginning, when an artist paints something and they find their originality, they can have the person who's watching think what they want them to think so if i if i created this paint and i walked up to you you didn't know i was the artist and i asked you what your position is i man you could probably tell me all this other stuff but and then i say okay so tell me how do you feel about it kind of go what you said before about feeling i guarantee you they are gonna say spot on what i said or what i put in that page because they say a picture is a thousand words right it's, it's going to be exactly what I thought. I put a thousand words on that on that on that canvas, and now you in here spouting off one of the thousand words that I put on, because that's what I wanted you to do. So understanding that that you have that power and that that uh, that I I wouldn't say manipulation necessarily because manipulation goes more so into you you know you setting certain things up. But in this case here, it is a form of manipulation. It may be in the slightest, but it's still manipulating that person's feelings to get them to feel something. 
So you're getting them to do something that they normally wouldn't feel if they were just walking down the street experiencing their lives. But they're just looking at this one particular moment from which you put together based off of what you saw in reality. Catch part two of my conversation with Aaron next week on the Mindful Farm D podcast. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for sharing. I leave you with this. Focus your thoughts on what is true, noble, righteous, pure, lovable, or admirable. On some virtue or on something praiseworthy. Think about these things.